What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your man back again, Mr. Wilson. Welcome. Welcome black again to another episode of Tales of the 2%, a show by black male teachers for black male teachers, man. We do this for the teaching brothers who make up 2% of our teachers. We do this for the culture. We do this for representation because it's important. Our kids need to see us, man. Um, We need this conversation and it's long overdue. So uh, let's go ahead and get this show started, man. First and foremost, let's welcome in my tap twin, my tap brother. What's going on, Donnie, man? How you feeling, sir? Man, I'm doing great. How are you? Man, fantastic, man. Welcome on there, bro. How you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing well, and the week is flowing well. Good stuff, man. Let's in next, the 10-year vet himself, living legend, man, Antoine Lewis. What's going on, Antoine? Good people. How we doing, man? Everything is lovely on my side of the world. Good stuff, bro. How you feeling this week, man? Hey, man, if I was any better, I'd be rich. You got there me? There it is. <laughs> Amen. And last but not least, the coolest, the coolest academic coach I have ever seen. My man, Mr. Najee. What it do? What it do? Yeah, hear how smooth he is. E, how you doing, bro? Man, I'm feeling good, man. This was a great week, man. Uh, it was a short week. Um, and you, uh -huh. you know how it is on these short weeks. We love them. Yeah. So yeah. I get to go back into another short week next week. So I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Good stuff, man. Hey, before we begin, man, before we begin, let me ask a question. Um, Donnie, man, what the kids learning in Mr. Williams' class this week? Uh, this week, we're touching on evolution, man, learning how organisms adapt to meet environmental pressures, man, talking a little bit about Charles Darwin. Ooh, Darwin. That's intense. Yes, That's impressive. Yes, sir. Pushing for excellence. Academic excellence. <laughs> the black man. Teaching academic excellence and evolution. Magnificent. Yes, sir. E man, um, what's what what are we helping out with today as an academic coach? What what, what how how you how you moving about them them hallways this week? Man, so this upcoming week, uh, I'm working with uh, the STEM coordinator. Uh, we're gonna do a school wide uh, STEM PBL initiative that we're gonna roll out at the end of, by the end of the year. Um, and um, I'm also I reached out to a few teachers this week. Um, mm -hmm. just let them know that i'm gonna do a classroom takeover man so i can kind of take over one one class period um you know to do some model teaching hmm. model teaching from mr e ladies and gentlemen that is a rare wonder take notes take videos don't end up on somebody tiktok Najee. that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> antoine man what's going on what the kids learned in the mr lewis class this week hey uh this week hey, uh, man my students are learning how to write a narrative um being able to change stories from different perspective of characters and you know pretty much advancing the plot of a story with the conflict um a climax and making sure that you know there's dialogue in their story so we're trying to make sure that uh you know we cultivating that next tyler perry that next uh john singleton we're trying yes, to make sure that we got some some real writers on our hands and if anything he's just trying to make sure that you don't write like you text that is the one that gets me. That is the one that gets me all the time. All right, man. So before we jump into our war, but man, remember Tales of the Two Percent is brought to you by the good people at Crux Media Group. If you want to start your own podcast, email them at info at cruxmediagroupllc.com. They can show you everything from getting your podcast started to getting it monetized. Make sure you contact the people at Crux Media Group to get your voice and your podcast heard, man. Now. Like any good teachers, and we by far are four of the best, um, our show is set up just like a lesson plan. We have a warm-up, we got announcements, we got a learning objective, we got a phenomenon, guiding questions, academic discussion, data talk. Uh, we even have guided and independent practice, a, a, a fun segment, our teacher's lounge confessions, and we got a little social emotional learning at the end. And then finally, our ticket out the door, man. So um, for those of you who have never heard of what a lesson plan is, Follow along, man. We'll, we'll, we'll teach you something good. We'll learn you we're something gonna, we're good. We're going to teach you a little something today, right? We're going to teach you a little something. Yeah, 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 man. So for our warm-up, man, let's get into our warm-up. And Lord, if y'all could have heard these answers in the green room, let's get into our warm-up, man. Um, this one is called Cards Against Humanity, but it is the Teacher's Life Edition. Teacher's Life Edition, man. So we're going to ask some specific questions geared towards teaching. And these gentlemen are going to give us our their best answers 
um, funniest answer. I'll read the uh, supply closet again. I don't have. I'm out of paper. I'm out of marker. So um, I get. You, I got a pencil sharp. Pencil sharpener for the winter. Little Debbie cakes, man. You got some little yeah. Debbie cakes. Oh, <laughs> man, snacks. hey. Snacks get you a long way if you're a teacher. Right. <laughs> like, like chill. Snacks. What snacks? Yeah, right. what, what kind of Debbie cake? Right, right. <laughs> man, you be Sorry. trading off all kind of stuff for some snacks. Sorry. Sorry. We could do a whole episode on little Debbie cakes. <laughs> All right, man. So look, look, look. First question. First question up. All right. What is the secret to not peeing while teaching? What is the secret to not peeing while teaching? I give you a few seconds to think of this. I'm gonna give the secret to not peeing while teaching. Make sure, make sure by all means that you have stretched before you got to work because you're going to be tightening the muscles the entire day. Make sure you're stretched, done your squats, your kegels, whatever you need to do because you're going to be tightening some areas from first period to at least lunch. That's my answer. Hey, man, this is Mr. Lewis. Check it out. Make sure you got on the right type of drawers. Okay? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Listen, you got to know what size drawers you wear. Now, if your lady or whoever special to you buying you the wrong drawers, hey, I'm sorry for you. That's just, you know. But if you don't have on the right drawers, you might have a wet day. <laughs> hey, saying. look, I'm going to have to pick it back hey, up. I'm, I'm Antoine, man. I would say, um, raise it up one. I would say, uh, you got to go to a Levi, right? And you got to <laughs> order those, um, those relaxed pants, those relaxed wear Levi jeans, man, because you don't want those tight pants around your waist when you have to use it, man. Because y'all sign teacher know pressure yeah. bust pipes. <laughs> no skinny jeans. No skinny jeans. Tailored fit. None of those. Oh, oh, that's hilarious. All right, next, next one, next one. That's we got to move to the next because I feel like we're gonna be on that one all day. Next one up. I'll be late to the faculty meeting because, fill in that blank, I'll be late to the faculty meeting because, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to be late to the faculty meeting. That's the only time I got to pee. And uh, <laughs> but by the time I leave, don't nobody go in there for 35, 45 minutes. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> Those, that okay. stretch didn't work out that well, did it? Right. It did not. <laughs> hey, I'll check it out. I'm going to be late to the meeting because I got to warm my food up, okay? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My lunchbox got wheels on it. I'm just gonna be real with you. My lunchbox yeah. is a carry-on. You feel me? They yeah. charge me. I'm just letting you know. I come to eat. Right? Yeah. yeah. You got the mobile buffet. There you go. I'll be late to the faculty meeting because I forgot we had one. Oh. <laughs> Teammates texting me halfway home. You on the way to the meeting? I am now. <laughs> you in the car? You in the car on the way to the gym? <laughs> I think I sent oh. you a couple of those messages, Donnie. You, you, did. you sure you did. did. You did. <laughs> good good and, looking out. And as, and as the coolest academic coach ever, he is never late to a meeting because he is running off the of meeting. So we apologize and hope you accept our excuses. Um, Najee. All right, man. This is this is the last one for our warm-up. This is the last one for our warm-up. And those of you who will follow us on Facebook, man, this question was posted in our Facebook group. Um, look for us at Tales of the 2% Podcast on Facebook send us an invite and we will let you into this very private and entertaining group fill in these three blanks the boys bathroom smells like blank blank and blank uh -oh. the boys bathroom smells like blank blank and blank mm -hmm. hey listen the boys bathroom smells like a middle school locker room right fabuloso and right. earring backs <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Y'all know what the back of them earrings back smell like when you ain't talking about the days. I'm, I'm just telling you what I think I know, but what I know I know. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I got you. I got you. I got you. One up. So the boys' bathroom smells like bad aim, puberty, and desperation. That's what it smells like to me. There's all three of those bundled up into one. You gets oh, no better than that because I oh, promise you. It'd be more. It'd be more pee on the floor than be in the stalls. Just splashing as you walk right. in the bathroom. everywhere. Just, just I got just just sneakers all like my sock wet. So how how did this happen? <laughs> the boys' bathroom smells like horror, 
sweat and axe body spray because at this age they think axe body spray is a control alt delete button for body bro they might as well be spraying brute in there <laughs> might as well be spraying brute oh, oh man you know you don't make it so bad i got some axe body spray and i don't even want to use it no more now <laughs> okay Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, so let's go to the judges. Judges, who's getting these? Uh, this pencil sharpener. Bing, bing, bing. Pencil sharpener for everybody, man. I'll go to the dollar store. I'll bring I'll bring it out to you. Don't worry. You Thank get you. a pencil Thank sharpener. You, you get right. a pencil sharpener. Right. Pencil sharpener for everybody. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh man. So again, man, before we get to our next seven, man, make sure to follow us at Mr. T-O-T-P on Twitter. Tales of the two percent spell out two and percent on IG. Join the conversation in our Facebook group at Tales of the 2% Podcast. If you want to be a part of the conversation, leave us a teacher's lounge, confessions, rate us, review us, email the show at totppodcast at gmail.com, or even leave us a voicemail at 470-765-8688, man. We'd love to hear from you. Now, next segment up, because it's Black History Month, man, my man, Mr. Donnie Williams. Donnie, give us our Black History Moment for today. My pleasure. Our Black History Moment is about Dr. Jasper Jeffries. Dr. Jeffries was a native of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and was a fantastic mathematician, physician, and engineer. He earned his bachelor's degree from West Virginia State University, a master's in math and physics, before finally earning his PhD in 1955 from the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Jeffries was pivotal in American history as he was one of the very few African-American scientists selected to participate in America's initiative to create nuclear weapons during World War II, also known as the Manhattan Project. Dr. Jeffries' other accomplishments included being an engineer for a company in New York and serving as a college professor at Westchester Community College. Sadly, he passed away in 1994 at the age of 82. We thank you, Dr. Jeffries, for your influence on our culture, for Black scientists, and for your efforts as a Black male educator. We thank you. Hey, there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our Black History Moment, Dr. Jeffries, making moves like only we can, man. Appreciate you, Don, for reading at us, reading that out for us. All right, yes, so... Sir those of you again ladies and gentlemen hopefully you're learning something hopefully you're paying attention hopefully you're getting it all don give us one more give us our learning objective for today by the end of today's episode you all will have a deeper understanding of what our first year of teaching was like hey whoo buddy that first year teacher that's all i got to say on that one Let's so get to I'm going to throw this question out. Let's, let's jump into the academic discussion. And again, our guiding question, our phenomenon is all about first year of teaching. So, E, I'm going to throw this one out to you first, man. What was your first year of teaching like? Man, that's a really great question, man. Um, and I think that's a question that, you know, oftentimes we need to go back and revisit uh, what our first year was like and, you know, kind of help us uh, as we move along in this educational field. But my first year of teaching was busy, man. Um, I started my career uh, teaching. Before I started my career teaching, um, I had just bought a house. Um, I had got married, had mm-hmm. my son, transitioned from corporate America uh, to education. And oh, I was in a TAP program. Um, and if you don't know what a TAP program is, um, it's a teaching uh, academy for preparation and pedagogy uh, to help teachers uh, from different fields transition into the teaching field, help them get a uh, teacher certification. Um, and, you know, it, you know, anybody who was in a part of that TAP program, you know, that was a lot of work in itself. Um, but Preach. I learned so much and it. Um, and I had an opportunity to meet so many great people who I network with, who I still communicate with to this day. Um, so uh, my first year of teaching, it was busy, but it was a good experience for me. I needed it. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. My first year of teaching, I'll be 100 percent honest with you, was probably the roughest year of teaching altogether. Together. I don't know how I made it out of that first year, but I'm glad that I did. Um, Donnie, what was your first year of teaching like for you, man? Pretty much the same as you. You know, my first year of teaching was stressful, uh, overwhelming, chaotic. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes 
they talk about not forgetting your why. There was no moment yeah. where the amount of chaos or stress outweighed my why. So, you know, even though it was all of those things, I was, there was still a huge part of me that was grateful to be where I was, which was in the classroom. And, you know, thinking back to my very first year, because I know me, you, and E were all products of the CCPS TAP program as -hmm. well. And, you know, one of the development specialists, I'll never forget, Dr. Galbraith told us, you know, she stated that, you know, things don't slow down. You just learn to catch up. Hmm. And, you know, that's how it was. You know, you're literally juggling, juggling so many different things at first year. At least that's how I felt, you know. It felt like just they just kept throwing more responsibilities and things to do. But after a while, you just learn to find your rhythm. You find that cadence and you catch up. Mm-hmm. So. Us kind of went the alternate route of, of becoming teachers. You went to college, graduated, went straight into teaching. Um, What was your first year of teaching like? Like, did you do you feel like you were prepared when you stepped into that classroom? I'll be honest with you. Um, I did. I felt like I was prepared because I was a part of a program that um, put us in those um, scenarios and situations with student student teaching and um, going to different schools and seeing different um, teachers do their thing in the classroom. But I will say the first year, man, it's uh, on the job training. Your whole preach, when I bro. say that, brother, man, you just got to understand, like, everything you learn really goes out the window. <laughs> like, you learned it, but until you apply it to the circumstances of what you're going through, you'll never really be prepared as you as much as you think you are until you're put into the situation. So I liked it, man. It was kind of like, you know, uh, what's that when they pretty much, like, before you can get into a fraternity or sorority, it's, it's, it's like that. <laughs> like, we got to break so, you in before you really get the word he is looking for The word he is looking for is hazing, but there are no yeah, hazing man. organizations. Oh, yeah, man, you none, get hazed. None that I know of. Hold on, hold on. I got to <laughs> put a plug you in. get hazed. And, oh, and nope, guess nope, who nope, did nope, all nope. the hazing, y'all? The kids. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, They haze you, man. They will break you in for sure. <laughs> Bloody, they do. smell fear, don't they? You, yes, they do. They smell fear. I'm gonna give you one for me. So my by my first year of teaching, I made the mistake of I had the Dwayne Wayne personality. I watched a different <laughs> world. I uh, uh, the Cosby Show. I thought I was about to come in like Theo Wayne, be their best friend. I'm gonna get them to learn and all that type of stuff. Them kids broke me down so quick. And the kid literally looked me in my face. She said, you know what? You too nice. Unless you mm. change something, you ain't going to make it. And I was like, Whew. really? I got to be that guy? And they was like, yeah, you have to. Like, you have to be stern your first year of teaching. Uh, which brings me to my next question, man. If there was your first year of teaching, what's one thing you wish that you could redo from your first year of teaching? What's one thing you wish you could redo? And I'm going to tell you right now, for me, it's being more consistent. I don't think I was consistent at all my first year of teaching because I was still trying to get my sea legs. I, I didn't know. I, I had all the tools. I had all the, the things that were taught to me and all that type of stuff. But I never really realized how quick a lesson can change or how quick a classroom can change. So I was not as consistent as I should have been, not consistent with my rewards and my consequences, not consistent with what I was teaching, not consistent with how I was te- uh, showing uh, teaching to every kid. And I really wish I could go back and do that over to really see what consistency looks like. Cause I just now in year five feel like I've gotten somewhat consistent, but year one me was everywhere. Wow. I know for me personally, um, I would say I would change relationships. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely change relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Having that relationship with your students, man, it makes wonders in the classroom. And I know for me, my first year, I was so concerned with curriculum that I ignored relationships. And I later found out as I've you know, been doing this for a while mm-hmm. that relationships is a curriculum. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, relationships mm-hmm. is a curriculum. 
And we saw that during the pandemic when they wanted us to do so much SEL activities with our students. And so relationships yeah. is very important. Man, for me, man, I would say um, if I could do re redo one thing, it's, you know, teach myself better time management. Um, oh, preach. Because, I mean, sometimes I was, you know, I, I was just putting too much, too many things on my plate at one time and, you know, not using my time wisely. Didn't even give myself enough time to rest, even on my off days, because I was working on my off days, meaning doing tap work. Like, so I then I had to, you know, to kind of go back to what William said, which was a really great quote. Things don't slow down. You just learn to catch up. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I had to learn balance. And by learning balance, I was like, okay, I work during the work week and, you know, try to do some things on the weekend, but I just wish that I would have did that earlier. So I wouldn't have been as so overwhelmed my first semester. And I think I needed it, but if it's one thing I would redo, it would be that. Same here. I quickly that I agree with Najee completely. I would have to say that if I could redo anything my very first year, um, it would be relax more because you can ask E because we were on the same team at that time. I I I would I was I tried my very best to be so meticulous, and in my mind, I was pushing to be you know just this amazing amazing educator. I want everybody to get everything the first time. I need class management to be amazing. I, the return rate yeah. on homework, all that. No, every day is going to be different. What works one day might not work the next day. So mm -hmm. I would spend a lot of time as well, just like E, a lot of time outside of the classroom, uh, just oh, trying wow. to put my whole lesson under a microscope and take it apart when, you know, really you got to give yourself as an educator, just give yourself more credit. Like, you know, mm. put, put your all into your lesson and then yeah. put, put your all into yourself once you step outside the classroom because, you know, You've got the rest of your career, but there's only one you. You know, you need to make sure you invest as much time Preach, into yourself bro. as well. Because that's, I, I remember, I remember seeing something. Somebody was like, um, "Take care of you, because they will fill your position so fast, very quickly, if you end up falling out." Mm -hmm. Um, but that, but what you two guys said actually brings up a talking point for me. Um, we talked about uh, being overwhelmed a little bit. We talked about uh, being stressed out a little bit. So this brings me to my next talking point in asking for help. As a male teacher, is it hard for you to ask for help? Or in that first year, was it hard for you to ask for help? Because I'll be honest with me, it was actually hard for me to ask for help my first year because it was the whole stereotype of being a man in the classroom. It was the whole stereotype of I should be able to handle these kids. It was it was the belief that just the male presence would almost get everybody in line. And before I knew it, I was in over my head. But because so much of these assumptions had been placed upon me, I chose not to ask for help until it was almost too late. So as a male teacher, as a man, period, inside the classroom, is it hard to ask for help? And does asking for help make you feel like you failed at something? I had to ask for help, man, um, especially with the instructional piece, because, you know, I was going in to teach earth science. And, man, I had absolutely no idea how to teach earth science. So I had to go to the experts on my team. I had to put my, you know, my pride aside. Uh Jeff, because I do understand where you was coming from on that, right? Um, just yeah. the expectation of you being a man, you supposed to, you know, you supposed to have it. But um, yeah. I, I went in instructionally when I realized, man, this isn't this isn't easy. You know, it's not a cakewalk. So um, I had to go to my teammates and you know ask for help when it came down to resources <laughs> or when it came down to how did you teach this lesson last year? But when it came down to like learning the school. I felt like I didn't need to ask for help like that. I guess that's that's the the male, the man side of me. Like, no, nah, I got this. I, I can do it. Now, nah, I, I got the behavior. I got the discipline. I got this down pack. I'm good. So, yeah, I, you know, it was it's difficult sometimes because you don't want to ask for too much help because you don't want to put too much pressure on people. You're the new guy. You don't want to keep right. asking for help. And now people are like, yeah, he's asking for too much help. You know, he don't know nothing. Right. right? Let's right. just keep it real. Right. So um, I, I, bal I kept again back to that balance. I tried to balance that. Like, you know what? Let me do some things on my own. Yep. And right. Just... And, um, you know what, Najee? Um, 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? You never want to ask for too much, but sometimes when you're in that water sinking <laughs> and you got to throw that hand up like, hey, I need a float. I need something. Help I need Lord. a lifeguard. Help me you know out. what I mean? <laughs> and um, you know what? But I'll just be honest with you. And I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, but I never really just asked for help. I didn't. People came and gave it to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a culture thing in, in whatever building you're in. If they know you're new, you shouldn't have to ask much, man. You should have some some people designated to come and make sure that you are um, growing in in, in in your first couple of years. Because it takes what they say, what, five years to become a master teacher. So those first four years, man, is really you're still a novice. You know, you're still a beginner. And, you know, yeah. so I didn't really ask for a lot of help, but that didn't mean I didn't get it. So I was blessed to have good people and teachers around. It was pretty much the same for uh, me as far as that aspect of help. You know, as a man, nobody wants to be viewed as the weakest link. So, you know, sometimes even, yeah. even if the atmosphere of the building isn't like that, sometimes as a man, you can create that atmosphere in your own head. Like, man, if I reach out, if I'm asking for too much help, maybe they'll view me as the weakest link. Well, maybe this cat doesn't need to be here. Maybe he's not cut out for this. Maybe he can't discipline these kids to deliver this instruction but really you know as Antoine stated people are willing to mm -hmm. lend a helping hand because honestly um you all are in in it together you're literally a group of adults in the exact same building doing the exact same job with the exact same mission which is to educate so I mean at the end of the day you know the children winning is you winning you know what I'm saying or else what are you in the building for why why do you clock in so you know I I had to let that go quickly and I learned that it was okay to ask for help because help is like a long, long-term investment. If you use it correctly, you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. You teach me how to do this. I practice it. I get it right. I implement it. I won't need to come back to you two, three, four, five, six, seven times to get this right. I'm going to learn to apply these methods, these principles year after year until I do become a master teacher or get close to it. So, you know, asking for help, that's a long-term investment. I asked for help today and I'm shining. Mm -hmm. I'm doing what I need to do. So my kids mm -hmm. will get tomorrow, two, three years. That's good. Now. Will. Hey, so listen to me, all my first year teachers, I hope you're listening. It is okay to ask for help. My dude, bruh, you better ask for help before they come in there and visit your classroom and hit you with them straight ones. <laughs> oh, I got, oh, I'm so sick of getting my first year. I got so many ones my first year, bruh. Oh, like, did I did it? Did I do anything right? You are ineffective, ineffective. For those of you who don't know, teach. Hold on, hold on. For, for those of you who don't know, teachers get visited from principals, and you know, on certain Danielson domains, certain things that we're supposed to be doing in the classroom, they rate us. I got a two, maybe towards the end of the school year. And I was like, bro, I got it. I got to get it. But make sure you take the time to read that feedback and just take it day by day, step by step. Which brings me to another point in reference to asking for help. Let's switch it to the students real quick. So first, first year teaching, you're, you're in the classroom, you're, you're trying to develop a climate and culture, and you realize your students aren't asking for help. How do you get your students to ask for help in certain things? Because we know we got those ones that always raise their hand, answer the questions, all that type of stuff. But your first year teaching and you the first time you really encounter a student who is struggling how do you get that student to ask for help um i know for me you got to build that trust amongst you and your students you know some students you know you got to find out what is their learning style you know are they visual are they kinesthetic are they auditory once you learn their learning style and what their preference is you got to find out innovative and research-based ways to uh connect to how they learn best and you know hopefully that will give you some insight on how to help that student um be more comfortable with asking for help or working with a partner yeah my very first year i can be honest about that i was very I ineffective with that um for a couple reasons one the role that i more so assumed that first year was just thinking that i just needed to be disciplinary and all the time so I can honestly say perhaps maybe there were a lot of students I missed 
because I was just so focused on making sure I could have my classroom under control that I I missed students who did not truly understand the material and needed help. Looking back at that now, like this being year five for me, I can say like there are some things that I do now um, to help. So for example, you know, there's a kid that I do have that I teach this year that he has a lot of questions, but I know he's not, I know for a fact, he will not raise his hand and help. So what a lot of times what I do during the independent practice, and for those of you out there who might not know what that is, that's a part of your lesson where the, the students take the skills that you taught and they work on it by themselves. So what I've started doing is he just automatically knows to come to my desk mm. during IP or during independent practice. He'll collect his things, go straight to my desk and we'll, we'll work on that sucker. Whatever the assignment is, we'll start knocking it out um, until I can build up enough confidence in him to do the rest of it. You know, some days it might be him doing the first couple problems by himself or questions or, you know, sometimes he's got it after the first one, but, you know, d different strategies, like Antoine said, for different students. For him, that's just something me and him have set up because, you know, his, his confidence isn't there yet where he'll take the initiative. My goal is to one day get him there where he can take initiative. But in the meantime, like I said, when I'm done teaching, he knows to collect his things. Boom. He's sitting right there in front of my desk. You know, sometimes I'm answering emails and, you know, sometimes it, it just looks different for different people. He might be just reading the question out loud to me at my desk because he doesn't want to read in front of his other classmates. So, you know, right. definitely that piece about building rapport is very pivotal. Good stuff, Don. Good stuff, man. Um, So that brings me to a, another talking point real quick, because it, it the the kids needing help are almost like they need those mentors early on you know male representation is important them seeing us is important and we almost take on the mentor type of role but again let me ask you this our first year of teaching everybody's first year you, you're in the thick of it now how important is it for teachers to have a mentor or somebody who they could lean on because i'll tell you for me if it there's two specific people my first year of teaching if I had not had them, I would not. Well, actually, it's more than two, but these two just in general. If I had not had them, I would not have made it out of my first year of teaching. Um, his name is Mr. Harden. He was he was my assigned mentor. Dude was old school military. He really helped me get a lot in general together. And then the other person, her name was Miss Terry. Miss Terry helped me open my eyes up to a lot of different things. And she's one of those ones that had to pull me aside and be like, I know you're not going to ask for help. So let me talk to you and teach you and tell you these things of what I see, because a lot of times it's not till we see it from other people's point of view that we really realize what we're doing and not doing wrong. Like I had to learn early on my first year, like I told you guys earlier, I can't be everybody's friend. Like there's no such thing as a friendly teacher. You can be nice. You can be caring, but you're not supposed to be friends with your students, or at least that's how I see. Um, so Mentorship is vital. Yeah. Mentorship is very vital. Um, and I without to this day, I do not hesitate to list the people that 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 helped me. Now, you already know for a fact, E or Najee was ex an extreme help to me. Najee, David Johnson and, and uh, Harnery Singh. Mm -hmm. Those teachers helped me so much my first year. That's why I got that, you know, that concept from, as you know, for it being a. Um, help being a long-term investment because he wasn't on my team the next year, you know, but it was up to, it was my job to take those practices and apply them, you know? So mentorship is very, very vital because no one's perfect. No one's going to get it right all the time. That's just a basic life lesson. Nobody knows everything. So, you know, that's the whole point with like the CC, like for the TAP program, you know, you have practicum hours. What's the whole point of yeah. having practicum hours? You go out and you see how other people do things so you can pull from those other teachers what can help you. That's the whole point. Good. Mentorship is important, man. It's um it's it's truly important. I went through the mentoring um endorsement with a coaching and mentoring endorsement. So I see it from a 
coaching perspective and a mentee's perspective, right? Or mentor mentee perspective. So um, like, like Antoine said in the beginning um, early on, and I think you referenced it to Williams uh, or Dunning, um, you know, that help coming to you versus you going to them. That's what your mentor is, that that helper who's coming to you, who's who's kind of walking you through, you know, what the school culture is like, um, what teaching is like, you know, the ins and outs. And, you know, it's okay to have multiple mentors. And I had them. I had one in the TAP program who was in my cohort, right? Um, rest in peace, man. He was a great brother, um, my boy William Bright. Uh, man, he helped oh, yeah. me a lot along the way. Um, yeah. in the tap program i mean the guy's a genius man and just talking to him he mentored me through that part um teachers in the building help mentor me in their own way so mentoring is important man because if not then you know you'll find yourself in isolation in education and then you won't enjoy it so it, it's good yeah. to have those people that'll help you along the way Twan, you tapping in you know what when i think about mentorship um i just think about really somebody who's a veteran in the game of mm -hmm. teaching and they're willing to share knowledge and information um one thing about a good student though is you know you don't take everything that you're given mm -hmm. and so even when you're being mentored everything that you hear it might not be to your liking or to your uh you know to your style of teaching or whatnot but you have it in your repertoire you have it in your toolbox and if you need it you use it but if you don't, you know, hey, you could pass it on to somebody else or, you know, just keep it in your pocket. But uh, mentorship is, is definitely important because we all need some type of guidance at some at some point. And being that first year teacher, uh, having that support is, is vital. So you got to know what to take, what not That's to take and just be willing to listen and learn. Good stuff. All right. Two more points before we jump out of this academic discussion, man. Point number one before we going to get to first year teaching. You walk into the building, you get into your classroom and you realize there is not another male teacher almost in your entire wing. What are your what are the thoughts running in your head? Because I'm going to tell you, for me, my first three, I didn't have another male teacher on my team until two years ago. And I had to go to a completely different school. So my first teaching. My first three years teaching, well, let me go. My first two years teaching, I was the only man teaching science in sixth and seventh grade. Second year teaching, I was the only man teaching science in sixth and seventh grade. Third year teaching, I was the only man teaching science in sixth and seventh grade. I get to the team, I get to where I'm at now. I got another male teacher on my team. And I'm telling you right now, it is so what's the word i'm looking for relaxing to have another male teacher somewhere in your grade level so your first year teaching were you the only man in your grade level or on your team i know for me um i wasn't the only male um there was another male on the team with me not on the team but on the hallway with me um so you know i wasn't just in a female dominated uh hallway i did have another male working with and it, and it is relaxing to know that you know there is another gentleman on the hallway that can you know relate to you a little bit more or somebody that you can you know connect with in a in a sense yeah my first year was uh me and e so no i wasn't my very first year i wasn't the only uh male teacher on my team uh Dang, it was me i'm the only science. one on the island <laughs> shucks well that was nice all right so last question and um this one goes out to everybody man so i want you to think about this for a second before you answer what's one piece of advice you would give to your first year self or to a first year teacher because we already know first year is is pretty much like learning how to swim during shark week so what's one piece of advice you would give to your first year self or to another first year teacher. And I'm gonna tap in first on this one. I heard, I read something where Tom Hanks actually said this. And again, it comes from the Bible, but this, this is what I would tell my first year self is that this too shall pass by all means, this too shall pass. Um, the bad times aren't always going to last, 
but then also be mindful the good times aren't always going to last but what should last is your preparation for everything you can't prepare for everything but prepare how you're going to react so this too shall pass that's my one piece of advice i would give to my first year self first year teachers be mindful it's not always going to be good but it's not always going to be bad just keep pushing so one thing i learned from my mentor um who i was assigned to at my school uh who you know she she's moved on with clay county now she works for the district but she said this to me um she said learn to say no um mm. because you don't want to plug into so many different things right away there's always something to do later um when you plug yourself into so many different things then you're going to find yourself drained right you're being right. pulled by so many different areas. You know, you want to coach this. You want to join this program, you know, the, and the school will allow you to do it because we need your help. Right. But yeah. learn to say no and don't plug yourself into so many different things right away. Um, kind of fill out the space because once you do, then you will see what's for you and not just something for you to do. Oh, I say that again. I say that again. Say that again. That last part. Yeah, man. You want to make sure that it's for you and not just something for you to do. Oh my goodness. Hey, hey, write that down. Write that down. No, write that down. <laughs> write that down. I like that, man. Good Listeners, insight, I hope y'all wrote that down. I hope y'all wrote that down. Something. Don, go ahead and tap in, man. Oh, yeah. Um, if I could just have a piece of information to give to my first year self or a first year teacher that they could benefit from, I would just say don't sweat the small stuff. Keep practicing. Every day is not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, not every lesson is going to go as planned. Sometimes things will change mid lesson. Sometimes, you know, something outside of your control will occur and throw things all the way off at all that nice and amazing and cute and fun looking stuff on that lesson plan. I go right out the window, you right. know, don't let it deter you, you know, stay flexible. Don't sweat the small stuff. Keep practicing, you know, you know, tomorrow is another 24 hours and you will get an opportunity to get it right and if not there's another 24 after that so don't sweat it sure. hey you know what um real quick i'll just chime in um even as i'm just reflecting on my school year this year one thing i can definitely say is uh i think i would tell myself man hey rumble rumble keep fighting keep yeah. fighting the only time you're going to lose is if you stop swinging. Keep Come on, fighting. bro. You know what I mean? You got to keep fighting. And um, you was built for this. Yeah, I, I'm built for this. That's a, It's a reason why I'm a part of a 2%. I was built for this. So that's what I would tell myself. Come on with all this motivation right here. Boy, I feel good. I'm, boy, I'm going to knock these grades off real quick. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, I, got one more, I got one more piece of advice I would give my first year self. And we're going to end it on this one. I'm pretty sure all of you are about to agree on this one. First year teachers, whatever school you're in, no matter what you're doing, make sure if you see a flag, read the IEP before that kid gets to your class. Read the IEPs, the 504s, any piece of paperwork. Make sure you read the paperwork before the kids get in your class and you be looking crazy. Matter of fact, I give myself some hand claps on that one. Read the paperwork. You'll thank yourself later. <laughs> oh, you will. Oh, it will save you so many headaches. That's real. That's Ooh, real, yeah. though. Yeah. Be they informed. You, Look, be you, informed. That alphabet soup, IEPs, <laughs> 504s. Uh, uh, what's the other ones? Um, um, I don't even know all of them. Tier one, tier two. With tier ones, tier twos. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I got a I got a folder off my desk right now. Anytime I get a piece of document, I highlight, circle everything I need to do. I tell the kid I know more about you than your mama know about you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was awesome, fellas! Awesome. That was our academic discussion for today, man. Hopefully, you listen, you learn, you got something, man. So let's switch gears real quick. We're gonna go to our teachers' lab confessions, teachers' lounge confessions first. We're going to switch it back to the day to dig and then I see a moment and I take it out the door. So, Antoine, give us our teacher's lounge confessions for today. All right. Check it out. 
Teacher's Lounge Confession, where everything in here is working but the microwave. Y'all ready? All right, Hey, I'm going to need y'all to do your research before you come to class. Right. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Do your research before you come to class. So check this scenario out, guys. So while I'm teaching literature, um, I needed a picture of a poet, which is Emily Dickinson. Emily mm -hmm. Dickinson. All right. So I went to the Google search for some images um, to, you know, to bring my class up to speed of who this person was. Big big mistake okay i had no idea that emily dickinson was also the name of an adult film star <laughs> so with that being said all the stuff that popped up on google <laughs> was not pg-13 okay <laughs> and so emily dickinson apparently wasn't the only thing she was Here's my question to everybody in the teacher's lounge. What's one mistake you have made in front of your students that oh. you regret it later? One thing. <laughs> hey, Donnie, we're going to start with you, man. Tell oh me one thing, gosh. Donnie. Big mistake you made in front oh, of your gosh. students. Oh, my regret. gosh. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> one mistake I made in front of my kids was you know during my first year you know some of the content is just new so i'm reading out loud to them you know off of the powerpoint and there's this word that comes up and i completely slaughter the word like i completely butcher it meaning mispronounce it and i just sound foolish and it's like the kids are looking around like like wishing that they could check my credentials because i just sound like a complete <laughs> Oh, I had to slow it down. I was like, okay. I was like, my bad, you guys. We all make mistakes, Mr. Woods. Let, let me slow it down. Okay. <laughs> Bruh. Bruh. I'm going to one-up uh, you on this one. Mr. Wilson. I'm going to one-up you on this one. I'm going to one-up you on Mr. this Wilson. one. So y'all know I like music in my class. I love playing music. And every now and again, I let the students pick the music for class. Never heard the song before until the first time I'm listening to it in class. The principal is visiting this day. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to show her we got student engagement. I'm going to let them play. Uh, dang, what was the name of this song? I don't know who. I think I, I think it was when the baby first came out. Matter of fact, I think it was Shoe. The first time I ever heard that song in class. Didn't play the edited version. Ba the baby's going off. Going off in class. I let two students pick songs. So I skipped past the baby to skip to Pop Smoke. Oh. Never heard pop smoke in my life before. And uh, so I'm sitting in there and the principal, this is all you hear in the back of the classroom. I'm like, yep. oh, no, oh no, oh no, oh no. What just happened? What just happened? So you know what we listen to for the rest of that rest of the week? Gospel music and um jazz. Tamala Man was playing the next time that the principal came to, uh, to my classroom. <laughs> Oh, hey man, man, for me, I had to, I, mine was you know it was an embarrassing moment, but it was a word too, man. You know when you're teaching Earth science, man, these scientists' names, man, it gets me every single time. And I'm not gonna act like I'm an expert at pronouncing these names. So um, I, I cannot remember uh, what was it the uh, heliocentric who created that? Uh, my son is that uh, Copernicus? Copernicus? No, Copernicus, right? So no. man, oh man, I struggled with that yes, word. Copernicus, yeah. Man, I, I struggled with that word, and I had my TDS back there. He was observing <laughs> me that day, and man, I slaughtered the word, and I had the kids repeat it after me, and they just slaughtering the word, too. I'm trying to show out, right? And I get a kind email after class from him. He was like, he said he broke the word down, and he said, try using Google uh, search next time or Google Voice to pronounce the word. I had to go back to my kids the next day and be like, hey, look, man. We were saying that word wrong, loud and wrong. So, and my kids probably still say the, the word name till today, but it's okay. At least they know the concept. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, Twan, what you got, bro? I know you got you know one. What, man? Um, 
<laughs> I do a lot of embarrassing stuff in front of them kids. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm a real human. I don't try to act like I'm nothing more or nothing less. Uh, I'm what you call a cussing Christian sometimes. <laughs> and um, what happens is uh, I get in front of them kids, man. And sometimes I forget they 12 and 13. So I didn't cuss a few times. Not at them, of course, but I'm like, ooh, Mr. Lewis. I'm like, man, whatever. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, right. you got to know how to dress up the curse word. Hey, man. you're right, right, like, right. Sit your oh. club ass down. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, God know my it. heart. God know my heart. <laughs> oh, that's funny, bro. That's Cussing funny, Christian. man. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> yo, man. Loud confessions. Thank you, and it was brought to good folks over at Crux Media Group, man. Crux Media Group. If you are interested in getting your podcast started, email them at info at cruxmediagroupllc.com, and they got you. All right, two more segments, and then we out of here. Uh, Najee, give us our data dig for today, man. Hit us with about one good piece of data. All right, so we're about to dive into some, some, some data right here. So according to statistics, 26% of black men in this nation have a higher education degree, whether it's associates, undergraduate, or graduate degree. And black women have a 34% higher education degree. My opinion is that part of the reason why black men do not get into education profession is because they don't educate themselves at the levels that women do. Because we know that black women are the most educated group of people, right? So um, black men, we have to do better, that's first. But um, check out this next data piece um, of why it's important to show representation in a teacher profession as a black man. The effects of having a black male teacher, especially between that latter part in elementary, that grades three um, through five, right, decreases the dropout rate amongst black male students by 30 percent and increases the likelihood of that black male student aspiring a higher education degree. And we know that in order to be in, to get into education, you have to at least have a bachelor's degree. So my question to you is this, fellas, why is it important? That black well, so why is it that black men are not pursuing high education degrees? I'm gonna tap Bad in money. on this one. I don't know, it's, it's money, but I'm gonna tap in on this one. I really think I know, well, not I know, I have a good assumption. I really feel like it's a level of expectation, one, and two, some men feel like they can't be their authentic selves with certain degrees. Um. Uh, I'll be I'll, I'll give me again for an example. Um, certain degrees almost automatically mean that you're going to go for a certain position. For example, a lot of black male teachers, when we get certain degrees, it's just assumed that we're going to become a principal, that we're going to take some leadership type of role. And I know for a lot of men, they're not trying to do that. It's just enough trying to get the degree. It's just enough trying to stay in the program and it's just enough trying to find um, something to do with that degree afterwards. So I think a lot of the expectations and a lot of the, the politics that comes along with degrees is what keeps a lot of brothers from chasing the, the higher education. I'm going to tap in, man. Um, fear. Fear, man. <clears throat> False evidence of things appearing real, man. Fear. A lot of whoa, whoa, uh, men. Whoa, 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 whoa. Give that one again. Oh, false evidence of things appearing real. You know, it's, it's, it's fear. It's false evidence of things appearing real. Mm, fear mm -hmm. is really a mind state. It's not nothing real. Fear is not tangible. And the opposite of fear is faith. They both operate mm. by the same principles. So Come whatever on. you give your attention to, that's what's going to grow. But a lot of mm -hmm. black men, I feel like they don't believe that they can achieve higher. Women, they're forced to achieve higher because of mm -hmm. being mothers, um, yeah. you know, being a wife, you know, coming to the to relationship ready. But, man, a lot of men, I think it's fear, man. They believe that they can't achieve it. And really, I'm just going to be real. This is the most opportunist time in our lives that we've ever seen for a man to achieve anything he wants. Mm -hmm. Reach, bro. This is the most is the opportunist most time right now. Time right and now. I don't understand how a black man is, is, is not taking advantages of this time right now that we living in. Yep. 
So, man, I, I think we got to, you know, push our brothers more, get out of that fear zone. I'm scared of a lot of things, but I do it scared. You know, I do it scared. And that's what builds character. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I and I'll take I'll take a shot at that question. Um, you know, and you know, you guys gave some great responses to it. And I would say that, you know, as a man, you know, we like to kind of like shift around a little bit, right? As black men, right, from different professions or you know, trying different things. I know for me, I'm speaking for myself before I got into education, man, I worked at so many different levels, so many different areas, man, just to kind of make myself well rounded. So, you know, going to school and getting a degree in one specific area. Does that mean for me as a man, I'm stuck in this area, right? If you're not educated, if you don't have that support system, like I know I didn't have the the background, meaning my parents didn't go to college, their parents didn't go to college. So I was the first generation of college graduates, a black man going to college in my family. So, right. um, you know, I didn't want to just get a degree in, you know, let's just say, you know, accounting, right? Because that's what, that's what I got my degree in. But then I didn't want to be stuck in accounting. But going to school, going to that high, going to get my bachelor's degree, I talked and communicate with people and they kind of showed me the road. Like, no, 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 this right here is the foundation. This is going to get you to that next level. And because I got that degree in accounting, it helped me get, a, 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 you know, an opportunity in teaching. It helped me get this job working in this career field or that career field. So I think oftentimes, you know, a lot of men don't want to get stuck just doing one thing, but that's not the case. Right. But if they're taught that you're not going to be stuck doing one thing, then, you know, maybe they you know, we have to make this profession more appealing to them or make it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because anytime a man, you know, if you want something, you're going to go get it. And that's just anybody. Right. Right. I agree. I, agree. I think part of it is not all of it, but I think part of it is like I was saying earlier, it's just it's just money. I think one of the reasons why there's such or why there's a gender gap between uh, men and women in higher education is because as a man, you feel like you have to take on the world early on. And you know, you the, the story that you hear is that, okay, you grow up, you become a man and you provide. So a lot of times we step into the world with this, with this, you know, feeling of, you know, pressure, like I need to provide, I need to make money. I need to be able to do this and buy this yeah. and provide this and that. And so, you know, a lot of times we take a quicker route, you know, versus pursuing a four-year degree, right? And then some of us that go on to go do grad work, okay, you throw in another two years, what, maybe if you get your doctorate, throw in another extra three to five, you know, who, you know, thinking, you know, as a man, who wants to do that? You know, I could be, I could spend those years working and grinding and um, climbing up whatever ladder you know, in whatever industry or job that I have. And, you know, I'm, you know, the immediate money is, you know, a factor, I believe. And, you know, as a black man that was raised by another black man, I was, I was fortunate enough to have a dad, you know, that told me, Hey, when you hit 18, man, leave like as in the aspect of like go, go to go to college see something different you know my dad used to stay on me about that my mm -hmm. whole year he was like man get out of get out of clayton county go to go to school go go see something different go go get some exposure go see you know and he was very adamant about me using tool as a vehicle for that for him it was the military you know that was his gateway to you know earn his living provide for his family and also um you know, see the world, you know, for me, you know, he just wanted something a little bit different for me. You know, he wanted me to use school as that vehicle. Good stuff. So fellas. Good, yeah. stuff. Good stuff. I appreciate that. Ladies and gents, that was our data dig for today, man. Data dig was brought to you by the good folks over at unfiltered, man. Uh, make sure you check out unfilteredforever.com for all of your clothing needs. Yes, it is black owned. Make sure you check them out, man. Unfiltered Forever. They have you suited and booted. They got everything from tees to tech suits. Use the promo code TAILS. That's right, TAILS, T-A-L-E-S, at checkout for 15% off of your purchase order. That's promo code TAILS, T-A-L-E-S, at checkout for 15% off of your order, man. That's unfiltered 
forever.com. And remember, there is a science to being you. All right, man. So, hey, uh, we, we learning, we loving, we living. We almost out of here, man. It's been good. It's been a great chat. Real quick, let's get to our SEL moment of the day. Got a little words of inspiration, man. We give inspiration to the students, man. We want to make sure we give inspiration to the teachers as well. So, um, we've been uh, diving into year as uh, year one, this episode, and it brought me to this thing about success. How do we measure success? So this SEL moment is called the mark of success. It's called the mark of success. Let me get this here put up real quick. All right. So let me ask you this question. How do you measure success? How do you measure success? What would it take for you or what would you need to have to consider yourself successful? Do you measure it by those tangible and monetary things? Do you measure it by the amount of praise and notoriety you receive? As teachers, as parents, as black men, and yes, even as black women, what would it actually take for us to consider ourselves successful? Booker T. Washington is quoted as saying, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. Do me this quick favor. I need everybody who's listening to do me this quick favor. Take a look back over your life. You remember that day that all hell broke loose and you somehow kept your cool? Remember when that lesson didn't go as planned and the principal was there observing you that day. And despite what happened the day before, you came back the next day with a mindset to be the light that so many of our children desperately need in their lives. You see, you overcame, you survived. And not only did you survive, you thrived in spite of. That choice to push and press on in spite of is what makes you a success today. To my first year teachers, each and every day you show up, each and every obstacle you step over to ensure that this generation of children gets the best educators and the best ed education possible makes you a successful teacher. Don't let a bad day, don't let a bad observation, don't let an unruly student tell you otherwise. Success has such a broad definition, but one thing we can all agree on is that each day that you look at your problems in the face, and each day that you choose to turn and fight instead of turn and run makes you a success. Each day that you get up, each day that you step into the classroom and tell yourself, I can do all things. And yes, this too shall pass is a day that you successfully show the world what greatness looks like. What is the mark of success? The mark of success is believing that you can accomplish, believing that you will accomplish, and no matter what, never giving up, man. That's our SEL moment for today, man, the mark of success. Fellas, how we feel at the end of our episode, man? Feeling good. That was good stuff, man. Real good, man, real good. Feeling like a million. I like it, I like it. Feeling blessed, a lot of rich good dialogue. Stuff, hey, we get, yo, very so man before we get to our ticket out the door today man y'all give y'all shout outs before we get out of here hey this is mr lewis checking in um i want to send a shout out to our leader in clayton county um dr maurice morcise uh beasley um african-american brother um he's a part of that two percent that we're talking from the perspective of um just want to give him a shout out thank you for what you do for this county and um always thinking about the best interests of students uh stakeholders uh faculty and staff also shouts out dr beasley is a listener to the show man thank you dr beasley for tuning in brother we appreciate you much love I would like to give a shout out to uh, my principal, Dr. Christopher Robinson. Um, he's relatively new to Rex. I just want to say thank you for choosing Rex. Thank you for choosing to be our leader. Um, and we hope that uh, we can continue to grow as a school under your guidance and, and influence. Thank you. Man, I want to give a shout out, man, to all the black male teachers out there, man. Um, what you're doing is important. 
you're changing lives every single day um, just by your presence your representation keep going if, if you needed a word today man just keep going you in the right profession you're doing the right thing what you're doing is making a difference man so shouts out to you hey man good stuff and i want to give a shout out to all of our listeners man thank you guys for tuning in checking us out for another episode another week i want to shout out my co-host gentlemen i could not do this without you guys thank you for being a part of this journey with us um, Got to give a shout out, like Don said, to Dr. Robinson, man. Dr. Robinson, principal of our school. Now he's over at Donnie School doing great things. And I want to shout out newly uh, assigned principal, Dr. Yolanda White. Dr. White, if you are listening to this, man, shout out to you. She was our academic coach who has just been elevated to the role of assistant principal. So, Dr. White, shout out to you. Thank you for all that you do for the building and the field of science as well man there it is so we are at the end of another episode of tales of the two percent but you know we got to get out the door as only we can today we got one of the dopest lyricists is going to drop us some knowledge with some words of wisdom so my brother go ahead and step on up to the mic antoine let him know what's up hey good people good people how we doing it's mr lewis again um you know what uh, just kind of give the people another um, example of what we do as black men in the profession. We are the 2%, which means uh, out of all the teachers that are in the profession, African-American males only account for 2% of the men that are black in the profession. So um, these brothers that I'm with, you know, on here, as well as the other ones that are African-American, thank you for what you do. So the ticket out the door, man, I, I put together a little piece. Um, and it's also entitled 2%. All right, so check it out. When I shoot the ball, I don't miss. I win in this black skin that I'm in. I'm a part of that 2%. I represent black excellence. So eloquent and effortless. I'm in a different element. We used to ask for permission, but we've been knocking at the door for so long that they had no choice but to let us in. That 2%, I'm ahead of them many miles and light years speak words from my soul so the moves that i make may be something that they might fear that two percent a black man with a black beard but i make change like a cashier my dna is nba never been afraid i don't dribble the ball i draw up the plays that two percent i represent that black excellence that two percent the microphone is burning yeah. right now. Come on now. How that's that's All what right, we do, man. Ain't, ain't nothing left to do but in the show after that. Ain't nothing left to do but in the show after that, man. Yo, man, tales of the two percent. Make sure you follow us at man. Please make sure you follow us so you can come and be a part of the conversation. Follow us at Mr. TOTP on Twitter, Tales of the 2% on Instagram, man. Join the conversation on Facebook at Tales of the 2% Podcast. If you want to be a part of the conversation, leave us a Teacher's Lounge Confessionals. Just tap in. You want to be a part of the ticket out the door. Email us at TOTPpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 470-765-8688, man. On behalf of my man Donnie, on behalf of my man Antoine, on behalf of my man Najee, Mr. E, it has been another wonderful episode, man. Y'all have a good one. We are out of here. Y'all have a good one.